Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week, we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. Episode 2205, Why a Focus on Others is Great for You. All right, before we start, Lisa, we got to talk about, so the launch. So we're four episodes in. This is our fifth episode. So how you feeling? What are you thinking? Love it. It's going well. <laughs> Hopefully everybody else is enjoying it like I am. You know, this is my first uh, stint at a podcast, so I'm hoping it's helpful. I've gotten great feedback from those that have listened and wanting to know, you know, I was thinking they'd listen to him like one a week and everybody's like, okay, I listened to all three on the drive to wherever. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, right. whoa, slow it down. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. You know, feedback is a, is a good thing. That's and if right. you want to give us your feedback, there's all kinds of ways to do it. Go to the website, growgreat.com and you can do it. Okay. Today, why a focus on others is great for you. That is you, the listener, you generically, any of us. All right. So I know this is one of your favorite topics. So tell us, it is. tell us why and get us launched off here. Well, when we, you know, focus on others, that's one thing as leaders we have to do. And I think it's critically important to true success as a leader. You know, we, we've talked about differences a little bit between managers and leaders and, you always, uh, you always talk about leadership and we've worked together and in my leadership at the city, it's critical to invest in others. And it became absolutely more critical when I was half staffed and then got all new people. Right. So we, um, yeah, there was a quote that came out that I saw that said, leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that that impact lasts in our absence. And I think as leaders, if we can do that, think of the over and over what that's going to turn into. Those leaders are going to then grow their people to be great. It's going to continue the trend of great leadership and that focus. They learn all those that you're working with to become great are then making others great. And it's just a legacy you leave behind. So I, as I looked at it, it's so you, you kind of look back in your history and I can always think about, all the leaders we've ever had, I'm sure you can think about them ourselves as leaders or those we worked for or with, and we can name them on our hand, the bad ones. And why, you know, when I looked back and I was thinking about the topic, you look back at, at the leaders that were not good. And what were they focused on? Focused on self, self-promotion. Uh, what am I going to get out of it? Money. I mean, it's always about themselves. And that, and then that leaves a path of destruction, in my opinion, behind them. The impact is very negative and it's very visibly seen. They may do great on the bottom line. They may do great at bringing money in, but typically there's high turnover, low morale. I mean, you can see it and feel it when their focus is not on others. Um, so for me, that that's what I have seen with great leaders that focus on others. How about you, Randy? Because you you were in a different role than I was as CEOs and things like that at the very top. Yeah, same same thing though. I mean, I learned at an early age what not to do. Right. Right. I mean, tyranny tyranny taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. And and tyranny is just that autocratic behavior that 
narcissistic, the, the whole world revolves around you. Uh, but listen, you and I both operationally, we get it. We see what we see. We're looking through our eyes all the time. And so it's very easy as we get promoted higher and higher to not to get full of ourselves, but for our own perspective to kind of trump every other perspective, because the higher up you go, the more access you have to information, uh, the, the more that you, just the more, you know, and I think there's the temptation to overvalue that. I think there's the temptation to think, you know, I know more than they do. I'm aware of some things that they have no clue about. Right. And as a result, we sometimes, I think, get our in this headspace where it's not a competition, but it is a competition. And we think we've got the rook card. Our rook card trumps theirs. And so we're the smartest person in the room. And the right. more we get promoted, the more it can feel, it can fuel that vanity that all of us are prone to. Question Have you ever had or seen a manager who didn't have? that focus on others, but you've seen them figure that out and you've seen them shift where it was less about them and more about others. Have you ever, ever experienced that? Because I'm going to confess I have not. I have not. I, once they are there and I can admit in my 26 years, uh, here at the city of Grand Prairie and two before that as a non-leader at, uh, in another entity, once they have that trait, I have not found a way to break it. And I have worked really hard to do so. Um, I've worked with leaders that um, specifically I tried for several years to try to change and understand why this could benefit them, why the focus on to remove the focus from self. And it's interesting because in every aspect of, of managing, and I call it managing because they were not leading, they always return to a self-focus in everything, in meetings, in conversations. It was always, it always shifted from that person they're trying to serve to serving themselves and trying to raise themselves up in the eyes of others. And it becomes genuinely really kind of a, a lie or a false truth. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. They're making it sound like it's about you, but all in everything that they're saying, it's really about them. How am I going to do this? How am I going to make this look? How am I going to make them feel? How am I going to make Lisa believe that I'm doing the right thing? I mean, it's always about them, 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 and not the people we're serving. And that comes back to bite you. Ultimately, the lie gets uncovered. It can be hidden well, <laughs> and I've seen it. It can be hidden well for for a long time, but you got to, as they say, peel back the layers of the onion. You've talked about curiosity to be curious and keep asking questions. And then sometimes, you know, I had to ask questions of others and say, okay, without destroying the image of the leader that they may have already destructed, self-destructed, right? Self-implode. Yep. But eventually you can get the true story from others that are being led by that person. And that's, that can cause the ultimate breakdown in my mind, but I've never seen them switch. I haven't either. And I think this is where culture, not to sidetrack our conversation, but to insert in it, I think it's where culture is so critical. Right. 
and it's why the number one, as we term them, in our case, a city manager, set setting the tone for the way the culture is going to work. And if the culture tolerates the behavior that you've just described, that can be really that can be tough to change. That's right. Unless unless there is some imposition from the top that this is how we're going to roll and this is what gets rewarded. Listen, there's one offs. There's, there's, there's always that exception. There's always that person that gets slips through the cracks and they don't quite roll like everybody else rolls. And at another date, you know, we can have a conversation about the power of peers, the power of, let's say at a director level, for the way the whole organization just kind of feels and the way they roll and the way they conduct themselves. But at the heart of all this to kind of cut to the chase, so we can dive a bit more deeply into this topic. I mean, it begins with being a good human. That's right. It just begins with being a good human period. It all starts with respect, right? It starts mm-hmm. with respect and curiosity and humility and being willing, you know, you and I've talked about it before. If you can find somebody who's willing with a great attitude, you've got 90% of it. Yeah. Those are my non-negotiables, right? And I think you're right on culture. You have to look really deep because we have all seen leaders. How many times have we heard the phrase, well, that's just so-and-so. You're really frustrated. You go to your boss. This person is disrespectful, unprofessional, reacted this way. I'm really sick of it. And the answer you get is, well, that's, that's just Joe being Joe. You know, we all, we've all dealt with it. Let's just can, he does a great job. He does a great job, but that's just Joe being Joe. We just got to deal with it. How frustrating is that statement of not holding Joe accountable? That that's not a positive interaction. You may be great at your technical skills, but that that uh, just imagine that the wake Joe is leaving behind him in every interaction that you don't even know about yet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, your quote, I mean, the quote that you had, you know, that I've thankfully got in front of me, you know, it's about making others better as a result of your presence, making sure that impact last in your absence. Well, we can judge anybody based on their own personal productivity, but at what cost? That's right. Is there a cost to, to my productivity? If I'm a toxic person, if I'm autocratic, if I'm tyrannical in the workplace, but my work is stellar, but if I've got a team of 12 people that can't not, get along, it's not, it's not, no, it's not likely that I'm really elevating the work of 12 people. No, you just can't be that good. Yeah. In the real world, we're not talking about sports. We're not talking about, you know, these, these, highly paid these these (laughs) fantasy kinds of environments we're talking about in our world particularly in city government there's just there's so much collaboration there's so many points of view we've got we've got mayors and city council we've got citizens we've got staffers we've got directors we've got cmo we got volunteer groups we got Yeah, we've got a whole lot of folks that are looking at something with different perspectives and they've all got 
some value or validity, at least to the degree that we should at least try to understand them. Yes. It, it doesn't do any good to not. So that focus, let's talk about that focus on others and the, and some of the key points of how we do that or, or what that looks like, not just philosophically, but from a, a practical reality. Well, let me, let me tell you, uh, and I always, I'm never afraid to share my self journey because I, I am a true believer, Randy, we've been working together for a couple of years now. I'm a, a true believer in your leadership journey. You should always be working to improve yourself for the benefit of others, right? Uh, again, we talk about not having a focus on self, but I think a self-awareness around what you need to improve upon is critical and to listen to others. Um, and the reason I say that is in my journey, when we were down half staffed, we were going through massive turnover in the middle of COVID. And then you've got all this COVID issues that are new, brand new, nobody's dealt with. We're in a, we were in a predicament for the last couple of years of having turnover bef just before COVID hit. And then in the middle of that and losing key folks, I lost my entire benefits team, lost my entire class comp team for a variety of reasons, moves, um, you know, husband lost a job, grandmother's house became available an hour away, you know, just a variety of things. And then some necessary, what I call necessary turnover, where it was my choice. Um, but all that to be said, it was critical because it is very easy. My natural instinct is a worker bee. Like many of you, I, I am a, I, I try to get things done, productive. I go through a task list. Um, like all of us, you are directing the work but you have to be leaders at the same time. So that investment during that time and focusing on the needs of my staff allowed a half staff crew, literally six out of 12, to do the same level of work beautifully with smiles on their faces. Now, were they under stress? Yes. But by focusing on them and still taking time to teach and train that they were able to rise up, um, learn more, find value in that, continue team camaraderie and spirit, and think how much more productive they became because of what I was trying to invest in them. They were then investing in their teammates because we were really trying to focus on not just me and my leadership team leading, but we're trying to bring out the best and show others what leadership looks like. Right. Because I want to grow them as we're talking about in this podcast to be great, whether they're here or whether they move to another agency, it's critical. And in order to do that, well, I had to listen. First and foremost, we've talked about humility. I had to listen to what are their needs right now? What is going on that you need? In my journey, I had to focus on what do they need when we're we're all working at home and can't see each other. And HR is all about people and all about connections. Um, in my particular role, I then had to look at my team and how can we stay connected? That was first and foremost. We did a what we call Feel Good Friday. And I, these are just examples that you need to look at in your organization and make sure you are leading and focusing on others. We focused on what do you need, which was connections. We were all fine working from home at first. It was, you know, wonderful. What a nice change. And then all of a sudden you start losing touch. 
quickly. And if you are not self-aware about that and making sure you are connecting with your teams, it's easy to just do your job. How many of us have gotten fallen in that? Just do, do your job, do your technical work, get it done and log off. And that I'm just telling you, if you're doing that, you are losing touch with your people. You've got to listen to them. Secondly, I had to be curious and ask questions. And what do you need? And it was at that time, it was like, we've just got to see each other's faces. So we just did a feel good Friday, one hour every week during COVID non-work. Now it was kind of work, but non-work. And what I did that was super easy. We did it for a full year, every Friday. And I said one, one word. And I, that one word, I'd be like this time, guys, what are you feeling this week? In one word. And they would go around the room and say, uh, you know, frustrated, sad, whatever. And then we explored why, because we also talked about how that led to people perceiving what that answer meant. What does sad mean? Oh, they must've lost somebody. No, they're sad because so-and-so didn't, you know, wasn't able to do this and they're, or wasn't able to see a family member. I mean, it was a variety of things, but it also taught not to assume anything. So we did that every week. Sometimes it was uplifting topics. Sometimes it was deep topics, but it was very interesting. We connected more as a team during COVID than we did together in the office before we left for COVID. And that taught me a lot about really focusing and listening to others and their needs um, to help grow our team to become better. And lastly, we had to learn to teach and train in a remote environment because I got really tired really fast of training a benefits person on the system and all the components in six months to, for them to turn over. And I had to do it all again for another six months over and over. And I decided to do recordings uh, so that they could learn from me because I had the most knowledge. Um, but then they also now that has grown into now they are teaching others and it's a consistent method. And the benefit is just running. And now other we've shared that with other departments and they were able to teach and record in the system for longevity and accuracy. So everybody's hearing the same message, but it's just little things like that and really investing in others. And they have grown now. Now we explore things like if there's a request for proposal and somebody hasn't been involved and I know that they were interested in leadership, I ask them, do you want to come join this and see how it, it happens? But I want you to be an invested voice. If you have a question, don't be afraid to ask that question. There are no bad questions. Um, and that has really helped just grow our team and knowledge. Uh, I'm more of a consultant role than I ever was in the past of listening, teaching. I still have to, you know, be the conductor of the orchestra, but really it's about the people and what do they need and what are they learning and where do they want to go in life and professionally and making sure I'm helping them get there. Those are a few things. That was a long conversation and dialogue, but those are the simple service to them, humility, asking questions, appreciating them, doing a $10 gift card to say thanks for the job well done, taking them to lunch when they implemented a project. It doesn't have to cost a lot, but that investment immediately spurs so many things. When we had a bad leader, another example, if there's a bad leader in history, the ability, my goal was always to work with them to get the very best out of them and hopefully change. I've always got my, the heart of the people first, but when I couldn't, 
I had to make a decision because guess what? At that point, the entire team is watching and the entire team is getting frustrated and nobody wants to complain, right? And so in those circumstances, I also had to learn to, as I would see cues in meetings, or I, you could just see it on their faces, there's something going on, I would pull them aside and have an awareness to go, hey, I saw a reaction in the meeting. What's going on? I'm not looking to on a witch hunt. I'm not trying to go find a problem with a person, but genuine concern for what they're facing. And if it's on a person, I always tell them, this is safe. I can't fix what I don't know about. You might tell me what is going on and I will take it. And they will not know if it's on a person, they will not know that you told me. I will observe. It won't be, I won't immediately go to them right after we talk. And they saw you, you know, saw you on a video call with me. So there's things like that, that I think are critical that we address the longer if you, if you lead and don't focus on your people, you are missing out because you don't know what they need to be successful and you don't know what they are actually capable of. I remember one time, Randy, you said you're crippling your team because I was, I made the assumption that they are busy because we're short staffed, right? And I was taking on all the work. I was doing it myself. I was entering stuff and I had people that need to know that to be productive And when you said the words, I was like, golly, I'm thinking I'm being helpful, but you're right. How can I make them better and help them feel better and feel productive and feel like they are contributing to the overall goals that we have as a unit if I'm not giving them the opportunity to do that? So I just started asking. I didn't assume they were busy. I said, hey, we've got this project. I know everybody's busy. Let me know if you're interested and I'm willing to teach. And that just opened up. I got so many comments from staff that I would love to help if you have the time. I know you're busy too. I mean, very just immediately built respect. It built trust. It built um, camaraderie because they wanted to help. Um, I don't know. It just it just created this whole n- another level of accountability and engagement that was a natural outcome of me just investing in them. And trusting them and opening up opportunities for them. Yeah, but you bring up a good point. <clears throat> when we we said it starts with being a good human, you're obviously a good human. It seems to me that your situation, and we're talking about a moment in time, by the way. Sure, right. We've all got them. We've all had them, and we're going to have more in the future. We have these moments in time where we just we get stuck or whatever. But in that moment in time, it wasn't that you weren't focused on others, but fair to say overly focused on your own to-do list and on knocking out the work, getting the work done. Describe that transition in in your head, other than me kind of challenging you about crippling your team. I mean, so how difficult, how difficult was that shift? Because you're a high achiever. And I'm going to assume the majority of people listening to us and watching us are high achievers or can right. or think themselves to be, which means we take pride in getting this stuff done. We get stuff done. It's who we are. It's our identity. It's how we see ourselves in the world. So describe that transition for you. Well, I think that the main thing for me is, is like you said, I, I never, 
genuinely, I've always had a focus on others. I mean, it's just how I am wired and I'm built. But in the moment when there's crisis and pressure and short staffing and a million to do's, we all worked. I mean, everybody I feel watching this can relate to COVID. It doesn't matter what industry you were in. It was new, different and changing every day with new regulations coming down for cities. We had all kinds of new leaves um, that were authorized that affected fire and police. We had workers comp laws that now allowed fire and police and and detention to automatically have COVID counted. So there's all this changing landscape along with being short-staffed, along with we had one team member hired one week before we were put out on virtual leave. We had an IT department trying to figure out how to get computers, first of all, and then issue them out to 1,400 workers you know, um, talk about supply chain issues, <laughs> you know, but it was just changed. It, everybody was doing work differently. For me, it became a transition. And when I say crippling my staff, that was not because I intended to. That was the natural, the way it was phrased helped me understand me doing that work because I knew I could and I could knock it out and not burdening my team with it was my initial thinking. I was thinking about the team, but I was trying not to put more pressure on them at that moment during that peak, this peak period. And when I'm talking guys, peak period, this is like a year and a half. This isn't, this isn't five minutes or two days. This was a long journey of change. And as I begin to see, how can I make a difference in their lives? make work easier, make it better, teach while under pressure. Um, That shift for me became very obvious that I needed to refocus on sustainability in our team. How can I make this journey better for them? And through that, um, like I said, I just started focusing. I really had a strategic plan where I used to start my day with my task list and go, okay, what does our team need to accomplish today? Still have it. But instead, my day was, what does this week look like? Where do we need to be by the end of the week? And what do we need to accomplish? We, not me, we. And then I would lay that out and say, okay, team, here's the things on the plate. Who would like to accept the challenge of pursuing those? So it became an opportunity for them to shine just on the choice of words. Um, It became an opportunity for them to grow. And I assured them I invested in them to learn and and, uh, teach those things. And guys, that takes a lot of time because I was the only one at that point with the knowledge in our system because everybody that knew it was gone. Everybody from payroll was gone. Everybody in IT that knew the system, except for one, was gone. And so I am the teacher at that point. And I had to make that a priority to teach them without stress and do it efficiently and effectively. And so um, for me, Randy, that was simply shifting to a we. What, what do we need to get done? Opening up opportunities for them and them volunteering. And it's all in the delivery, I believe, of that message. Um, when I stated it to the team, um, that they could truly grow from that and become better. And man, they absolutely blossomed under stress, blossomed. But at the same time, 
there was challenges that we had going on in leadership that I was also focusing on separately. I was listening more to what they were saying. I was much more in tune while we all got used to video conferencing like we are now, right? Um, I became much more in tune with words that they used, with how they said things. I would check in with them separately. I think one thing you taught me is I did one-on-ones and I would ask one question, what's getting in the way of raving fan service? At our city, raving fan service is going above and beyond the customer's expectations, not what their ask is, but their expectations. And, and that one question led to so many more questions of being curious and having humility and knowledge and understand the very things that we're going to be talking about in our leadership series coming up. But it was Did that also, help. Yeah. But there was also um, during this same time period for context for the audience, I, I would describe it. There was a pretty, there was a pretty seismic culture shift. Yes. In the department, which, which was, which was giving it, it seemed to me, which was giving those people that would blossom the opportunity to blossom. And then for that, for that naysayer, for that person, ah, I don't, I'm not buying any of this. I'm not, you know, that contrarian to either opt out or put themselves in a position where, as, as Dr. Cloud says, you have to come to a necessary ending. Yes, right? that's but, right. But that was also this, you, you establishing this culture that you knew would be critical for that sustainability that you were chasing. Yes. I talked a lot during this time. My staff heard, we set goals together, even short staff, we set goals together we wanted to achieve. Number one goal, relationships. Relationships with one another, relationships with our customers. Uh, we had an entire city manager's office team that turned over. Uh, so talk about a culture shift. My former uh, deputy city manager had been here 32 years. City manager had been here 20 something, Tom. Um, we had another deputy city manager that had been with us a long time, but had been in a role for several years. Wife got cancer and he needed, you know, they wanted to be with their family. And it was just an immediate decision. Hey, I'm giving you my 30 days and I've got to take care of my family. So these things, again, not because there was a problem, but natural shifting and decisions in retirement and other things that resulted in this turnover. Um, and where I had a known, I knew how to work with each one of them, right? I knew their style. I knew the presentation. I could get stuff to them and they wouldn't ask questions because we had long-term trust and my facts were good. Now it's learning four new styles, which are not bad. They're simply different. And I think you probably remember, and for the audience, one thing I had to do with all my team turning over is establish my story at the top, right? Be sure I'm communicating what my staff are working on, what they were doing well, and making sure I'm listening up to what their goals are and tying everything we do to that story. And not because I'm making it up, but because I genuinely feel I can also serve up. When they were struggling on things, I'm watchful and providing, how can I, you know, my question more than once was, I can tell you're under, you're under pressure as well. I know I am too. How can I serve you? How can I help with this situation? And they're like, Lisa, you're so busy. Don't worry about it. I got it. And I'm like, no, no, seriously. 
how can I serve you and help you through this moment? And they're like, well, if you, if you could set up these meetings, that would be awesome. And that was, you know, it's just little things, but you learn to serve up. And I also had to educate. So we have new leaders that are making decisions, not understanding even how HR is involved in the picture or realizing that was a component of HR. They might've thought it was a finance issue or a budget issue. And so those also were changes that I had to focus on uh, and serve up and learn styles up as well as to my team and, and giving them opportunities to learn. All right. So as we wind down, let's give the audience something that they can sink their teeth into and, and do. So now as you look back with 2020 hindsight, somebody in our audience is going through something right Who knows. I mean, there's a variety of things that our audience is facing. Right. I would, the, the main thing I would say is what you need to think about what you're doing to focus on others. Are you focusing on the to do's or are you focusing on your people? That would be the number one thing that I would challenge the audience with. And then also, what are you not doing? If you can identify those things. And sometimes you need to ask that question um, because you've got to understand what your folks need and how they have a place at the a seat at the table, as they say, whether you're in city manager's office, you're a director level, or you're a member of a team on the front lines, you know, you, all levels are probably listening to this and you've got to focus on others. What do they need and how can you impact them for long-term benefit? It's as good a place to end as any, right? That's right. We just got to get started folks. The website is growgreat.com and we appreciate you listening. We hope you'll subscribe. We hope you'll tell a friend we're in the early days of this. This is going to get, I told Lisa when we started this, you know, she was pretty amped up. She's, she's never, she's never done anything like this before, but I knew she would be great. She is great. You're seeing that uh, already. But I told her, I said, listen, the first episodes are going to be the worst ones that we do. Only gonna, <laughs> you did say that. <laughs> it's only, it's only going to get better. So, But I would say that's also true of leadership. So you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to figure out what's my very next best step. And I think you've just given the audience great advice for it. So thank that's you. That's right. That. The whole crawl, walk, run. Yeah. It, 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 as long as you take a step, you're in the right direction. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I heard somebody comment about moving forward and said, you can't make a, you can't turn unless you're moving forward. So just move forward. Well, I can tell you who it was. It was the guy who heads up the wor world kitchen. Okay. He's a, he's a, he's a Spaniard from Spain and he's a successful restaurateur in New York city heavily involved in doing charity work. He's in Ukraine right now and he's serving food. He said, we just serve food. We just serve food. We just start serving food. I mean, we're not going to get it wrong. Right. And so we can, we, if we need to turn left, we turn left. We need you to pivot. Right. You need to pivot. Yeah. We, we just, but we can't turn unless we're moving forward. We got to be moving forward. And I thought it was great. I thought it was great advice and as good a place to end as any in your leadership, just start moving forward, start right. moving forward. We're clearly admonishing everybody do that <laughs> by focusing on other people. 
don't just be self-absorbed. But to your point, in episode four, it was largely what episode four was about. Right. Look in the mirror, take some personal listen. accountability and yeah. Listen. Yeah. Listen. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.